Anthropologists will tell you the language evolves to suit the ideas and needs that are most crucial to the lives of their speakers. We have experiences and then we find or make up words to try to capture them. If you live in cold country, especially if you are a truck driver or skier, it's important to know the difference between different types of snow. Is it icy snow, slick, powdery, wet snow, slushy? The Inuit have over 50 words for snow. Traditional societies in the African bush, where it's really hot, they have none. Every culture has a word for music. Every culture has a word for love and to my knowledge, for soul. Psyche in Greek, nephesh in Hebrew, anima in Latin. Our modern English with all its ancient influences reaches for several experiences of a non-material or spiritual nature. Sometimes we use soul to mean the essential part of you or it is simply a person's total self or possibly the spiritual principle that is embodied in the human being or the universe. It's also the word we use for the quality that arises, arouses emotion and sentiment. If you've ever heard Aretha Franklin, you know she's got soul. One of the highest compliments I ever receive is when someone tells me that my music is soulful. And I don't sound anything like Aretha Franklin. But there's something deeper going on here within. That's why we have the word. The first time I heard comfort me was about 15 years ago when Mimi Bornstein came to Chalice and sang it in a service she presented. I immediately resonated with the African-American gospel feel of the music and began harmonizing in my seat. The song was right about then coming out in the new teal hymnal, singing the journey, number 1002. And soon we would have it in our hands to sing whenever we wanted, which was often. I love the song because with it, I can get lost in that space where conscious thought gives way to nothing but deep feeling, my soul. Sometimes though, my analytical self steps in and I find myself thinking, do I need comfort from my soul? Or does my soul need comforting? What is my soul anyway? Now, I understand that my thinking is framed by millennia of Western dichotomy or separation between body and spirit and individualism, a tradition that sees the soul as an individual entity apart from other souls, apart from the soul of all being. But I don't really think of soul that way anymore, if I think about it at all. And singing is way better than thinking any day of the week. I'm with Tom Jode in The Grapes of Wrath. Tom Jode shares what he learned from his friend Jim Casey, the ex-preacher. Well, maybe it's like Casey says, a fellow ain't got a soul of his own, just a little piece of a big soul the one big soul that belongs to everybody. Even death can't separate you from the big soul, says Tom. I'll be around in the dark. I'll be everywhere, wherever you can look, 
Wherever there's a fight so hungry people can't eat, I'll be there. I'll be in the way kids laugh when they're hungry and they know supper's ready. And when the people are eating the stuff that they raise and living in the houses they built, I'll be there too. On FaceTime this week, I asked Mimi Bornstein about the origins of her song. It was 1995 and she was staying with friends in Northern California near Eureka. They were foster parents to kids from homes where drug addiction and abuse were the norm. There were 15 to 20 kids in the house, a compound really. It was a difficult, stressful place to be. Now there was no electricity and no running water in the house, but there was a white grand piano in the middle of the living room. The words became my prayer, she said. Do this for me, because I'm not doing it well. The music flowed naturally. It was not a linear process, she said. I don't even feel like I wrote that song. I just needed to melt that day. It's more like a prayer than I'm going to write a song. This feels so right to me. After all your hard work, sometimes the best stuff just seems to come out from nowhere, from outside yourself or from deep inside soul. Black gospel and soul music, which has been shared with the world by many African-American musicians and gratefully received since right after the Civil War, was birthed out of the womb of oppression and emerges in a triumphant embrace of our deepest being, soul. For Mimi Bornstein, who can't remember a time when she didn't play the piano and whose other mother tongue is music, it is not surprising to me that when in a moment of need, she reached for deep nurturing sustenance through the channel of this soul music. I asked Mimi what soul means to her. She paused to reflect and said, she never thought about it. And then said, soul is connection with a higher power or God or however you want to think about it. This is fitting, including the however you want to think about it part. As the Tao Te Ching says, the Tao or true essence that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. Infinite and eternal, it flows through all things, inside and outside, and returns to the origin of all things. This is us. We belong to that source, one big soul. In the Disney Pixar animation, Soul, we meet Joe Gardner, a jazz pianist and middle school band teacher. He is bored and uninspired by his students whose lack of interest is revealed in their playing with few exceptions. His dream is to play music full-time. He believes that is his purpose and what will bring him fulfillment. He tries to explain it to his mom. Music is all I think about from the moment I wake up in the morning to the moment I fall asleep at night. You can't eat dreams for breakfast, Joey, she tells him. Joe has passion, but there's a lot in life that he is missing as soon becomes apparent, like his connection with other people. 
Then the chance of a lifetime arrives for Joe when he is offered a shot at performing with the Dorothea Williams Quartet at the Half Note, New York City's premier jazz club. But, but while, while, <laughs> while walking on cloud nine, so to speak, dreamily crossing the street, Joe falls into an open manhole. On Earth, Joe is in the ER having a near-death experience. But we see him in some washed out landscape of some netherworld between the great beyond and the great before. Joe meets the people who appear to be in charge. Counselor Jerry or Jerry's. They are, quote, from the movie, the coming together of all quantized fields of the universe appearing in a form your feeble human brain can comprehend, end quote. Their true names are unknown, but they call themselves Jerry. Don't ask why, because I don't know. The great before is where new souls are prepared for life on earth. And the final prerequisite for every new soul is to find their spark. When they have that, their earth badge is complete and they can launch into a life on earth. At the U seminar, where new souls and mentors are matched, Joe is assigned to be the mentor to the irrepressible soul 22. All the other new souls preparing for entry are numbered in the billions. Why 22? Well, she has been in the great before a very long time. She doesn't want life on earth, claims not to want her spark. She has already exhausted at least 66 mentors, including Abraham Lincoln, Mother Teresa Gandhi, Muhammad Ali, and Copernicus. Joe just wants to get back to earth so he can play his dream gig and realize his purpose. 22 explains her reluctance and how she feels it would be really dumb to have a life on earth. She makes a deal with Joe. If he helps her get her badge by finding her spark, she will give him his earth pass and go back to his life. She says, to Joe, your life is sad and pathetic and you're working so hard to get it back. Why? I mean, this I gotta sing. So 22 knows a guy, Moonwind, a sea captain on the great ocean of the great before who can find a secret portal to earth. But in a mix up, 22 winds up in Joe's earth body, and Joe winds up in the body of the therapy cat resting on Joe's hospital bed. Stuff happens. Meanwhile, 22 begins to experience life through Joe's body. She has her first bite of pizza. She hears a subway singer. I've heard music before, she says, but I've never felt like this inside. At every new experience, including just walking down the street, 22 is filled with wonder and exclaims, 
Look at me, I'm jazzing. Jazzing is not a word, Joe tells 22. The, the moment of illumination for 22 comes when she's sitting on the steps of the half note, waiting for the dream gig with Dorothea Williams. The cityscape is luminous in a bath of a golden sunset mixed with the warm glow of shop lights coming on. Every ordinary thing is aflame with wonder for 22. A couple of girlfriends at a sidewalk cafe table are animated with laughter and conversation. A father is swinging his young daughter by the hand along the sidewalk. Brilliant red and yellow autumn leaves on the street are swept up in a breeze. 22 looks up at the tree in the brilliant sky above. A propeller seed spins gracefully into the long fingered piano playing hand of Joe's body. A seed, a symbol of hope and new life. 22 reflects on her wonder-filled day of life on earth. The truth is, I've always worried that maybe there's something wrong with me, you know? That maybe I'm not good enough for living. But she says to Joe, you showed me about purpose, about passion. Soul 22 wonders about what her spark might be. Maybe sky watching can be my spark or walking. I'm really good at walking. Joe says, those aren't really purposes 22. They're just regular old living. Anytime 22 expresses the simple Zen-like wonder of living, what she calls jazzing, Joe dismisses it as too ordinary to be what he considers the point of life, a purpose. 22 is about to find her spark and Joe is about to have his dream gig when they are suddenly swept back to the great before. Well, if you haven't seen the movie, You'll have to see it for yourself. I highly recommend it. But in the end, 22 does get her spark and her earth badge. Living for just one day in Joe's body is what did it. Joe convinces her that she really is ready. Her spark is waiting for her. It's as if he's saying to her, it's you I like. Your spark isn't your purpose, he tells her. That box fills in when you're ready to come live. And the thing is, 22, you're pretty great at jazzing. 22 sails off to the juicy blue marble we call Earth. Joe has found soul doesn't mean much if it doesn't include others. I was talking to a friend about this movie and she said, what happened to 22? Hmm. As 22 propels through space back to Earth, never to be seen again, she departs the world of linear narrative and returns us to our life as if roused from a dream, leaving us with at least four lessons in her wake. One, soul 22 is that part of all of us 
afraid to be, afraid to live life purely and without self-judgment, who catches the propeller seat and dares to take flight. Like Norman in our story today, you can be perfectly you. Two, 22 is that part of Joe or any of us that awakes to the awareness that the meaning of life isn't in the grand gesture or the great purpose, but rather in the joy of simply being. Great purpose may follow, but not without that little spark. Your career, your talent, or your strengths and abilities, they may wane, but not your life. Once you find the soul connection that makes you human. Your spark could be walking or smiling or simply jazzing. Three, Joe's final soul connection happened for him when he decided to go help 22 find her spark. Because like Tom Joad said, soul isn't any individual's possession. It's love that makes us whole. Finally, soul is a connection to something so great, it can't be described. It can only be lived. <laughs>